Hey listeners, how are you? This is Drew Carruthers and thank you for tuning in to this episode of Inspire. Super excited for this guest today. He's calling in from across the pond over in Kinsale, Ireland. I got Pat Price on the line. Pat, how are you? Hello, Drew. Great to reconnect. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It was one of my favorite trips out there with the PhD Basketball Club and uh, had a lot of good drinks and a lot of good uh, fish and chips out there. <laughs> Great times, man. Great times. Permanent memories. Yeah, absolutely. I, did, I think it was a little over less, a little over a year ago. I think we we're out there in mid, middle of April. That's right. That's right. Uh, great times, and 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 you know the the families were wonderful to be around, and and for them to have that opportunity to kind of create those international memories with their own kids, I thought was pretty cool. But the guys were a lot of fun to be around. Hey, they always are. They still are. And uh, I'm glad we were able to sneak, sneak in a couple rounds of golf out there, even if it was 30 degrees and windy. <laughs> Absolutely, man. So, uh, listeners, a little background on my buddy Pat Price here. Uh, he's a native of Scranton, Pennsylvania, home of the office. Uh, he's head, head coach of the Ireland U16 national team. He's won three Ireland Super League championships. He's a four-time National Cup champion. He's also the director of Pat Price Sports, uh, which is a consulting agency for sports and organizations, along with tourism and hospitality industry. Uh, he just finished his 32nd year coaching uh, basketball. Reason I didn't list all 32 years in his bio. And he is the host of his own podcast called Basketball Journeys. Um, love the stuff that you're doing over there in Ireland, Pat. Oh, well, thanks. It's... um. It, it's one of those things, Drew, and I'm sure we spoke about this a year ago. Some of this stuff is a little bit serendipitous for me. You know, when you grow up in Scranton, you, you know, you don't really expect to have these opportunities to, to, to you know, to be abroad permanently, if you will, you know, or, or on that long, long-term basis. So, so a little bit was the adventure of it, and I, I think at the time that I had moved over, it, it was probably a combination of factors, you know, to have the opportunity to, to be a head coach at that age was exciting, but, but I never would have imagined that, that all those years later, that, that again, that I'd be living here talking back across to Americans in the States. Yeah. You know, and when we were over there, I, I, I remember Kinsale is probably one of my favorite stops along the way. You guys got the little Harbor there. You got, you smell the food coming in off the, the fish coming in off the docks and just walking around the little downtown community and the, the pubs obviously was a fun part of that, but you know, it was really a beautiful neighborhood in uh, city you lived in. Yeah, no, it thanks. It's, it's a, uh, it's a wonderful community. It's a small community, but it still has that cosmopolitan feel. Um, it's pretty quiet, say from, from like October until February and, you know, as, as a lot of the locals would say, that's when you're really getting to know each other, where you're really getting to see each other. And then it kind of goes uh, a little bit haywire with the amount of tourists that come in from March until August. But that's a great thing because the, the area is obviously largely dependent upon tourism. But, but it's a wonderful community, great place to raise your kids, and, and there's a nice pace to the life. Right. Isn't tour, I remember along that way, isn't tourism one of the number one employers in Ireland? Yeah, if you combined, you know, tourism slash hospitality industry, it would certainly be in the top two or three, you know, with that with agriculture. And, and there's a there's a, a really strong uh, tech sector here as well, hosting companies like Google and, you know, Facebook and everybody like that, Amazon. 
but it's so but tourism for, for obvious reasons in, in, in terms of the beauty of the country. Right, I remember that. So, all right, now we're gonna get in a little bit of you. Uh, being a, being a native of the United try, States, try to try to stay awake. Yeah, <laughs> being a native of the United States, uh, how was your transition uh, going over to Ireland to your transition to American to European basketball? Um, what was that transition like? Well, in terms of like the, the, the direct transition, uh, I've often referred to it as, you, you know, you're live without a net, you know, and when you do stuff like that, I, what I mean by that is, is, you know, I, I get off, I get off the plane in, in, in Cork City Airport, you know, in the summer of 1998, and I, I didn't know a center. I, I, I really, you know, I, I knew I was scheduled to meet a guy who I had cut the deal with, you know, a few weeks prior. Um, and, but what it really did, Drew, it accelerated my own personal development and my own personal growth because, as I said, a little bit of serendipity stuff, you don't, you know, you don't realize where you're going to find all of this stuff. So a lot of it for me at the time, I was in my 20s, I had to learn on the fly. Um, I, I had to find out all, you know, not, not just the local social mores in terms of how do I fit in here and do it the right way without stepping on toes but but how do you assert yourself in terms of the role and the leadership role you've been given um there was adaptation to, to things that were different say from the states in all kinds of ways but specifically to the job at the time how do i adapt to the FIBA rules right now you're in a 24 second shot clock you know there's no timeouts in live play etc cetera, etc cetera. and and you know ultimately how, how can i make that work for my team in relation to my, to my own philosophy at the time so the transition was 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 you know straight into the fire if you will it, it was and and when you're in a, a role like that you're seeing you know import players and american players in and around europe there uh, by the time october rolls around you're hearing about guys getting cut guys getting returned home and it occurred to me that i could be one of those guys on the plane in the morning if my team doesn't produce results <laughs> so so you grow up on you grow up in a hurry yeah especially you know walking into a new country and not knowing you know how they're going to uh, how receptive they are going to be to you right away um, absolutely and then in that same process, your transition from American European basketball, what was the biggest difference in the style of game um, that you saw when you first stepped foot on the court out there? Well, I, I can probably, like, I'll look at stuff like that historically in terms of what, you know, what have been the, the, the differences. Like, I even look at things across the last 20 some years here, I look at factors that impact the why. And what I mean by that is like, I, there have been like socioeconomic influences over the last 25 years that, that have affected the development of the game in Europe and, and particularly in Ireland, like in the States, it's a numbers game, you know, that, that it, which goes a little bit to the competitive aspect. There are just so many people playing and competing for spots. It's, it's that competitive aspect, the, the individual development, the, the get ahead mindset, um, you know, in the States, there's only so many seats available. And, and, and a lot of that really, again, if I'm, I'm kind of deep dive on this, the, the NBA's marketing ploy in the 80s really resonated with people. You know, it was no longer the L.A. Lakers versus the Celtics. It, it, it was Magic and the Lakers versus Larry Bird and the Boston Celtics. And it really re reinforced the notion of that personal investment and personal development. Whereas I think if I, if I compared that to what it was like in Europe, um, 
in Europe and in Ireland in particular, if I speak specifically to our own situation, there there was and remains in a lot of places a limitation on the hours available for people to put more emphasis. You know what you mean to go in for if you're going to be in the gym, you're probably going to have to go in with the team. Right. Simply, it, 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 was, it was a facility availability thing. So what did you do? You were efficient. So the, the emphasis were more on team play. The emphasis was more on team cohesiveness. Um, you know, there, there's there's been much like a much greater emphasis on personal development here. And, it, it, you know, it, it, but it, it coincided with the availability of the facilities and, and also the, the, you know, the burst of information that's available on the internet and, and social media. Cause right now the game is in their pockets. You know, there's no excuses to go out and get better. Um, you know, and, and, in terms of the differences, it's interesting because you see in the States now that now some of the heavy points of emphasis in American basketball have been in Europe for years, particularly with regards to spacing, particularly with regards to ball screen philosophies. So, uh, I, I there's been massive, massive growth in, 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 in the styles, um, in terms of the ability of, of an American coach to learn from Europe and the ability from a European coach to learn from Americans, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. Um, and as you're, you know, kind of seeing the difference in the style, um, in the game and the development, how does that, uh, collate to youth and high school basketball? Well, the, the structures are, are pretty different. Um, there, there is schools basketball here. You can play for your school. You can you can play for your university, but it's it's at a very very different level. Um, European stuff and 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 Ireland in particular, it's it's club first and school affiliation second, which is fairly opposite in, in, in a lot of regards to, to the state setup. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't dovetail as clearly as it does in the States because in, in, in Europe or in Ireland, it's, it's what starts locally. Everything is local. Uh, there are strong local allegiances, right? You're doing it for the parish. You are representing the parish. You are representing the locality. You are representing the, the county. You are representing the province. And, and a lot of that is just a club affiliation. So even you look at these massive European clubs that like, you know, uh, Manchester United, Liverpool, Real Madrid, they all have youth structures. And, and there are there is a, you know, Real Madrid under 16 team and under 14 team. And, and, and they pyramid at the top with the teams that you see on television. So that, that to structurally, that's where I think the biggest differences are. And as I said, you, you can still play for your school, but your pride of place belongs to club. Right. I remember that when I was out, you know, when the, we our team was out there playing, you know, we were talking with some of the kids in between games and the clinics that we were also participating in. And, you know, they asking one of the kids, you know, are you guys all from the same, uh, you know, same city? He's like, oh, no, we're from the same village, you know. So there's also yes. that, that, that aspect where, you know, we're pulling from multiple cities and just the resources available, um, you know, due to the agri agriculture side too in Ireland, I just thought that was a unique answer. And, you know, I picked his brain a little bit about that, but we, there is also that aspect as well, correct? Yeah, no question, no question. And, you know, they, they, there are greater opportunities now, um, even even with infrastructure throughout Ireland, which, you know, the, when I moved here in 1998, the, the trip for a road game to Dublin 
it was like five hours by bus. Mm-hmm. It was like you'd get home at four or five in the morning from a from a road game. Uh, you can imagine the number of stops along the way, by the way. Um, but uh, but now you know the, the the highways there makes the connectedness easier. You can you can get to Limerick quicker. You can get to Galway quicker. To Dublin quicker, which increases the amount of time people get to play together and do things. And that that really helped. Um, in terms of even the development here with players, like as, as a national team coach, I was asked to be on this program called the CPSU, which was the coaching and playing standards unit. And, and it was a small, small committee that we, you know, we basically oversaw the, the development of coach structures and playing structures. So, you know, I saw an opportunity to create like a countrywide curriculum that would enhance the existing models here like and and some of it worked because of as you said the proximity that now people are able to spend you know get together more and we you know with that came our national academies we rolled out these academies around the country and and it really fast-tracked a lot of the concepts that we teach for the national teams wow that's good that sounds interesting um and something fun to be a part of as well, being able to be that involved with the, the basketball side in Ireland and being part of a committee like that. So getting into your coaching, um, you got a lot of championships under your belt. You got the four-time National Cup champion. You got the three Ireland Super League championships. Um, what was your philosophy with your teams and your players? Well, um, look, it, it, the philosophy wasn't... It, you know, stemmed in in how to become champs. Like you, you you know yourself as a coach, right? They they end up being byproducts of all of these other ingredients that you want to like quality check for along the way. And 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 you know what what being in it a long time has taught me is that if you only coach for the championship, you're going to have a lot of unhappy days, right? You know, and I'll, I use a phrase here with our coaches. You, you know, if you live and die with every loss, you're going to die a lot. So you have to make sure that the people in your remit, that you're providing memorable, fun experiences and that they love the sport and they love the game. And, and, you know, one of the things I didn't do well as a young coach, my, my, you know, my coaching as a younger coach, we, we had success, but a lot of it was very transactional. And, and, and I, I made a vow to myself, you know, years later to, to, to segue away from that, to get away from transactional behaviors and, and to really just create those those connections with players but i mean you know i I, there's no question you look back on it i've been really fortunate to be part of special programs and and one of the things drew that helped me was the groups that i started with had such a fun enjoyable culture and that goes all the way back to in in the mid 90s coaching at the local ymca in carbondale right outside of scranton and and when you when you see places like that and they were successful they they had these things called the east regionals and they won the ymca championship for the entire east coast and then i was with a a high school program for four years carbonale area high school and we were really fortunate over a you know over a two-year period we were 59 and one and 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 went to -to back-to-back pennsylvania state championship games and so my point being is i was really fortunate to have a sense not a not, not, not know-it-all, but like a sense of what does good look like? What does good look like in terms of player development? What does good look like in terms of creating a, a pathway for success? And try, get, getting, you know, to your question about philosophy, you know, those early programs gave me models of behavior. And it, and it, and it helped me 
kind of develop, say, that championship mindset in terms of how to how how what looks good, or excuse me, what does good look like? And and knowing what good looks like, I think is half the battle, you know. And and some of it, if I was to look back on, I'd say, okay, one, make sure you surround yourself with good people, you know. And 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 in this case, you know, make sure the people around you have some character, right? The players, the coaches, and the backroom staff. If you got a talented backroom staff and they're drive, they're the driving engine. You got a chance. You're in. You're in with a chance. Um, obviously players win games. So, so I know that if, if, if you looked at say our championship teams and our teams that have had the most success, they probably also had the most talented players. There's no, I mean, there's no, you know, the, you don't sidestep stuff like that. Play, players are what drive teams as well. Um, you know, we were fortunate along the way we had guys, uh, I, I think our 2005 championship team, you know, people say, boy, you know, you guys had a great year. I said, yeah, we also had Glenn Worley, who was all conference in the Big Ten. Patrick Pope was our point guard. We signed him out of the NBA D League. He was playing for Fayetteville, and we just happened to catch him when he got released. Like, we got, you get fortunate along the way. This year, we had a terrific year, and we had Andre Berry from University of Rhode Island as our as our starting forward. Like, we know that it's players, so you got to have that, right? I, I, I Philosophically, within that, I think you build each you have to build each individual's capacity. So, so you, you, you provide an opportunity for guys to get better while they're in your remit. And, and if you're player centric and you're asking yourself all the time, what, what am I doing to enhance that player's ability in, in such a way that one long-term, they're a better player too, that they feel like it's like they're getting somewhere in their own personal experience. And then obviously is it, is it enhancing program? Does is your program better because of as an end result? So, and, and philosophically, one of the things, Drew, I had to look at when I got here was how can the rules of the game benefit my own preferences as a coach? Right. So, like, when I got here, you know, when I got here in 1998, there was a 24-second shot clock. I had never coached in a 24-second shot clock, but it occurred to me that I really liked pressing, and it occurred to me that I really liked trapping, and it occurred to me that I really liked multiple defenses, and I said, well, th- this would this suits what we're doing here now because you can become really disruptive. So philosophically, you know, my philosophy defensively would always be about how can you be as disruptive as you can? How can you, you know, how can you run multiple defenses? How can you create uncertainty in the opponents? Um, Philosophically, I've changed offensively because now I put a much greater emphasis on decision-making instead of robotic stuff. You know, instead of running multiple quick hitters, now we run read offenses. They take a longer time to implement and they take a longer time to teach. But by the time we get to midseason, our players, you know, as I say, it's, it's, it's like the, the, the dad with their child with the bicycle. You can't hold them the whole way down the block. After a while, you got to let go of the bike, right? Yeah. And, and so one of the things that I learned in time philosophically is to give the offense to the players. You know, and that's based on trust, and trust is earned. So, in some new seasons, it takes longer to earn that trust than others. But I need to have a quiet voice in February and March in order for us to be successful. If I'm if I'm hammering down the same points of emphasis that I was trying to do in August and September and October, we're not we're probably not having a good season. So, I, I've really put a high value on teams that are strong finishers, and in order for them to be strong finishers, I need to have a quiet voice in February and March. So, you know, the philosophically, I hope I've kind of at least painted a picture, but, you know, a lot of it, though, is, is down to the teaching, Drew, because I think as a coach, you know, 
there, there's an awful lot of roll out the ball programs, but you have to be unapologetic about teaching because you, you, you know, you become what you allow. So if, if you allow for chaos and, 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 and that you, you know, there, you can't reflect back on it and say, how did that happen? So you have to really be, you know, you have to hold to your principles in terms of what you want to teach, but after the while, the game needs to become theirs. No, I couldn't agree with you more, Pat. You know, when I'm on the sidelines coaching, you you got to hope that you have, you know, players that are buying into your system. You got to coach each kid differently. But as you said, it, it can't really be a roll the ball out type program because they're going to reflect the way that you're coaching them. You got to be strict, stern, but as the season progresses, you got to kind of keep moving forward and let them be the basketball players that you know that they are. So, you know, we have very similar philosophies and styles. Um, and I actually still stole one of your uh, one of your plays that you taught up there in the two three offense that I, I don't think some teams down here have figured out yet. So I thank you for that. One. <laughs> okay, well that's good to know. Yeah, look, I, ultimately, you know, I think a lot of this stuff is is just strictly relationship based, and and it's like any relationship, there has to be trust. And players earn their trust, and coaches earn their trust. Coaches have to be trusted by players. They. they Players have to know that that you're 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 with them all the way, whether they're playing well or not playing well, and that's what I mean about the transactional stuff. You know, the, the stuff about you know you go through the slump with the player, you don't isolate him, or you know, I, 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 the relationship part has become far 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 and away a greater indicator of our ability to have success. Yeah, if you build those relationships, they're also going to, you know, there's sometimes that little hit, hidden drive to do a little bit more to, you know, lay their own sacrifices out there to, to get the team concept and the team goals accomplished. So I, I can't Absolutely. I can't agree with you that enough. And, you know, I started coaching when I was 21 years old, freshman coach in high school, and I, I very energetic. I was, my style is adapted. You know, some of those teams, we had a couple very successful ones, but they'd probably think I was crazy back then. You know, so over my close to 20 years coaching now, it's, you know, I've adapted and I'm still very energetic, but there's that relationship building where if I am hard on the kid, they know it's all out of love and they appreciate that. You know, the, the parents may, my, my opponent's parents may think I'm nuts on the sidelines, but my players and parents know what's going on. And it's, I, I can't agree with you more on the relationships. And some of those kids and families, I've continued to have relationships, watch, watching the kids go to college and you know, so I think that is such an important part of, about being a coach. No, you know what I, what I also saw with young with young players, Drew, in time is if, if you've laid out what the standard is and you've talked about what the standard is early on, then then the feedback doesn't even need to be um, highly vocal or, or, or some bad look. Because if you if the kids know what the standards are, they're going to play towards that standards. And sometimes even just a glance or a look is good enough as a reminder in terms of, you know, here's what we are and here's what our standard is. Right. Absolutely. So let's get, uh, let's get in Pat, uh, Pat Price Sports for a little bit. So you, you know, your business out there, you work on giving teams like Robert Morris, Dickinson College, uh, University of Scranton, College of Charleston, the experience of overseas play, um, the culture and tourism. Was that something when you were going over to Ireland was like, hey, I'm going to do this or to kind of come up, you know, after a few years, they're saying, hey, this could be a really unique business in the sports industry. Um, well, 
Uh, it's a good question in terms of, you know, paint, paint the picture of how, how this came about. I mean, ultimately this, this was a culmination of my own experiences in sport and travel. Like when I moved over, certainly in 1998, you know, being in sports tourism industry or the consultancy industry, that, that was the furthest thing from my mind. Uh, there, the longer I was here, I would have seen opportunities arise simply because I would have been the club that was hosting American teams that were on tour. And, you know, what, what my experiences were teaching me was that, you know, between my on the ground contacts in Ireland in terms of operations and, 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 you know, the ability to liaise with clubs and liaise with facilities was kind of matching up with, with my own contacts, say in the States, with, with NCAA coaches and programs and things along those lines. But like, look, you know, I, like I'm, I'm from Scranton. We weren't worldly and, 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 you know, leaving the area wasn't something, you know, that was highly talked about. It, it, it was just, it was just, you lived within your own circle and that's not an insult. I absolutely adore Scranton as a community, but like, for me, I didn't expect to have those opportunities to go abroad. I did not anticipate the travels that that using Ireland as a base would bring me. And and you know, be, between coaching clinics and and um, the national team, I was really really fortunate. I, I was at twenty seven or twenty eight different countries. So my like my my wife always jokes with me about my insistence on having other people try my food. You know, we'd be sitting at dinner. I'll say, this is delicious. You got to try it. She'd say, no, thank you, honey. I said, no, no, really, you got to try it. She'd be like, feck off. I don't want to try it. Right. <laughs> so, you know, may, you know, maybe there's a little bit of that with the tourism stuff where I say to people, hey, look what sport can do. Like, where will sport take you? And and there was a little bit of that for me saying, I, I you know, there are opportunities not only at the NCAA level who, who, who are pretty – you know that that's been going on for years that they take the international tours, but we were we, we also saw an opportunity for for families to do this as part of sports programming. I mean, when I was back in the states from 2011 to 2015, I was with um, an organization called Competitive Edge Sports, and and I was directing the programs there, saying, "Hey, you know what? Sports tourism is is actually alive and well in here in America because you saw how families would pick up." and go to Disney to go play in a tournament or pick up and go to Vegas or pick up and go here. And if, you know, why, the whole thing about why not, why not Ireland? So that, that's effectively how it, how it, how it started. Yeah, no, I, 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 I loved it. I think it was, uh, I was lucky enough to experience it as, you know, you know how we met um, through with my program. And I thought it was a very cool aspect especially with so many kids coming from, you know, an area like Fairfield County to go see the cultural aspect of Ireland and how kids do it their way that are their age, you know, and, and see the different, again, the culture, the agriculture, the, the scenery, um, everything we saw out there, I think was a very good experience for a bunch of 14-year-old boys at the time. Sure, and I think I remember having the conversation with you that you, you guys could play basketball anywhere, right? I mean, you know, so we know... We, we know that the basketball stuff you can do anywhere. So it's, it's like, where, where, where can you take the basketball? Where, where will basketball take you? So it, the byproduct is the stuff that's permanent, the memories and, the, and, and those relationships that are built up and having those experiences and shared experiences, which are critical. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the bonding that goes on with it and, you know, 
I have literally have a text chain with the fathers that were on that trip with us called Team Ireland that through this whole ah, health, health epidemic, we've been texting each other, you know, almost on a daily basis. So it's, you know, and that's most of those kids have moved on to high school and some still very involved in my program. But, you know, I coach those boys, a lot of those boys through their travel program. And, you know, I don't coach them anymore with the exception of one or two kids, you know, but that still have those relationships with the dads is, is kind of surreal. And it's, you know, you, you miss it a little bit. Well, you would, and, and as I said, it's permanent. That's wonderful. Like you'll you'll always have that to talk about and reflect on, and and uh, as I I think as the kids get older too, that there'll be a greater appreciation of it as well. Yeah, especially when we pull out the pictures of them. So, uh, you know, feeding the cows and you know having their vegetable soup out on the farm. So. Um, now you've also, you know, during this time, you, you've, you've kicked off your own pod, podcast called basketball journeys. Um, what, what, what are you doing with that? I've seen, you've had a lot of great coaches on there. Um, what, what's the goal, what's the concept of basketball journeys? Well, it was something, it, it was something that I had talked about doing probably initially in 2015, uh, and the opportunity to really dive into it wasn't there because of my involvement with either the national team or the Tralee team. Um, but obviously in the shutdown, you say, okay, you know, we can't be doing X, Y, and Z, but what can I do? And I said, well, well, you know, no better time than the present. So we're, we're four released episodes in, and I've probably got, five or six now that are that are in editing right now that we'll be releasing over the next few weeks and it's something that for for me i know it's not going to be just hey we're just in the shutdown here's what i'll do during the shutdown it's something that i was looking to do long term and and again the the the, the, you know it it is in the title it's it was an opportunity to connect with guys and on try to get a deeper understanding how is it that somebody goes from point A to point B, talk me through your journey, talk me. So, so it's a little bit biographical, but it's also meant to show that there's everyday decisions in the process of going to a certain level. And there's these pivotal moments along the way. And so we kind of try to poke through that and poke through pivotal moments and poke through what were people's influences and, and, you know, just uh, some of it too, Drew is a little bit, just, you know, you see guys at these high, high levels, NBA coaches, and, and you find out that, you know what, they're making the same types, types of decisions as everybody else every day. And, and for guys to understand the processes that go into your own personal development and your own personal journey. No, I love it. I love it. And I, I've listened to a couple episodes, but I'm looking forward to the, the new ones coming out. It's, you know, I've gotten into the start my own podcast. I've been listening to more and more of them so that I don't sound like so off when I'm on these things, especially on my first couple, um, you, you learn from each other on them, but I, I've really enjoyed the ones that you've had. Um, well, thank you. Thanks very much now. Uh, so now we're 32 years of coaching, your sports, uh, Pat's, Pat's sports in, uh, business. Um, now you got your podcast going and everything you've been doing. What advice can you give to those um, the listeners to inspire them to be around sports as a coach, player, or in the business aspect? Well, in, you know, again, I, I think some of it is you, one, you have to be yourself and, and, and you can't, you can be inspired by others. Absolutely. 
but you have to allow that to channel through what your own personality is. And you have to allow yourself a part of this true is I think you have to allow yourself to be inspired. So and that comes with being hungry. What, you know, what is it that makes you feel good? And what is it like? I, I took I took risks, okay, and 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 some of the risks that I took when when I was younger, people looked at me sideways. I, I was the dreaded what they called the dreaded double transfer. I I transferred college twice. I transferred, and and, and there's a lot of risks that come with that, both financially and reputation wise. I mean, I graduated, you know, cum laude and all that other crack, but like first I transferred to be in the, the major that I thought was going to suit my coaching career because it took me a while the first couple of years to figure out what I wanted to do in my second transfer was to stay in a coaching role it worked out and I was fortunate to find a mentor you know at, at Marywood University Dr. Jane Farr who was incredible to me and, and really shape a lot of you know the professionalism that comes with having the responsibility of going into coaching and I, and look I had a geeky interest I had you know I was all into stats and X's and O's and I was a gym rat mindset and I, be, but I became really fascinated with getting into the, to the business itself. But like at the time you, 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 you don't realize what, what is around you that allows you to be influenced. So you got to make sure you're in a good environment and, and you have to be grateful. You know, the, the older I get, the more, the more I'm thankful for the people that helped me, you know, whether that be in business or in sport. But, but the, back to the point about being a risk taker, I want to clarify, you, you know, you don't, you don't take a bad job unless you're confident that there's going to be measures and supports and people that influence the success there, you know, and, and, you know, but never, never stop asking questions. There's never been more, there's never been a, a, a greater time in the world's history in terms of gathering information. Every bit of information you want is in that phone. If you just pick it up and Google it, you know, so never stop asking questions, learn daily, read frequently, prove. And, and by doing that, then you're proving your worth. And that's what opens up doors. And, but make sure you're relationship driven, be relationship driven and not transactional. And, 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 and I got that wrong a few times along the years. And, and, you know, as I said earlier, we, we, we may have been successful at some point, but the wins and losses are fleeting and the relationships are permanent. So, so, you know, being yourself and being genuine, but being, being person, you know, being uh, player centric or being person centric and being more focused on, on, on that individual and how you can help their own development. That, that to me is critical. No, absolutely. It's, I'm, uh... Some of the common things, you know, and all my guests is talking about relationships and how those are permanent and, you know, the networking world and, you know, you got to be yourself, you know, and I did such great words and I hope the listeners take them to heart and, and do something with them. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time today, Pat. I know uh, it's dinner time over there for you guys over the pond. Um, <laughs> I, I could a few, I could afford to miss a few dinners, Drew, trust me. Ah, the food is good over there. I, I, I think I'd seafood every every single meal. I think I made it my goal because that was the purpose. Um, one of the things people that have been there said, you just eat eat the fresh fish because it's it's right out of the the ocean, and you know. So I did. I think I which was good because fish is lean. If I went fish and chips every meal, it would have been a little bit different story. But I think I made up for it. Made up for it in Guinness and whiskey. <laughs> Good. Come here, many a sinner went before you. Don't worry about that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, hey, always, right, well, a, always a pleasure catching up so with much. you. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk. All right, it was wonderful to connect with you again. No, absolutely, and uh, you know, let's connect again soon.
All right, buddy. My best to you and Devin. Take care. All right, you too. All right, bye now. Bye. What a great conversation with Pat Price. I really enjoyed catching up with him. I had the pleasure of meeting Pat and getting to know him over email, but met him personally out in Ireland last year when we took a team on a trip to play some overseas teams in the global games. We actually ended up winning it, uh, but a great group of parents, great group of kids, and a great experience that Pat showed us through his company, the Pat Price Sports Group. But guys, he has a ton of experience overseas, but he also had a lot of words that you can listen from based on the experiences from the states that brought him to Ireland through his coaching career and the experiences that he's been able to give a lot of different universities and youth along the way. Um, put yourself in a good environment around good people. Uh, be yourself with your own personality and allow yourself to be inspired. Finally, be relationship-driven in what you do, not transactional. Those relationships are permanent. Thanks again for tuning in. Be well and take care.